What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rico's Watches podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and I'm joined today by a very interesting and very special guest, uh, Christo, the founder of Bosel Watches. How's it going today? Thank you very much for inviting me, Eric. It's all good here in Sydney, Saturday morning, sunny Sydney, perfect. Yeah, I'm jealous. It's uh, You're showing me some pictures of uh, your view of the harbor, and it's a lovely summer day out there, and it's minus 30 degrees Celsius and two feet of snow on the ground where I'm at. But I guess we're a world apart, so what can you expect? Exactly, and the swim this morning was absolutely beautiful. I swim every morning in the ocean, and uh, it was a bit big. Uh, but still nice and beautiful sunrise. And anyway, what you what you, sh- you expect from Sydney? Well, that sounds amazing. I got to wake up this morning and shovel snow. So <laughs> I, I am, I'm supremely, supremely jealous. What's it like uh, swimming out there in Sydney? Like, you know, you hear about all the sharks and the sea creatures and all that stuff in the water, uh, you know, in that immediate area around Australia. You know, it's, it's hard to imagine someone just jumping in the water and going for a swim and not having a care in the world. What's it? What's the environment like over there swimming in the water in Australia? I know you don't like that, Eric. I, I listened to your episode with the U.S. Navy uh, uh, scuba diver. And, yes, yes. Uh, and I know you were, you didn't like the the, the the sea creatures too much. They're absolutely lovely. Look, they, you know, I've been swimming for eight years. Every morning, uh, no excuse. Just get in. It's my way to wake up. And yes, of course, we know that sharks are there obviously they are but we swim together with my wife Alex we just wake up and get in there 6 a.m beautiful sunrise we're lucky to live near a beautiful beach called Manly and we we swim with stingrays and of course little sharks bigger sharks Uh, one nasty shark in eight years that they call bull shark Mm -hmm. Um, he came, uh, he came, or she, I don't know, came next to Alex, uh, we're swimming, just came next to her, and then stopped in front of us, didn't move, and I look up, and I look down, and he wasn't here anymore, so, you know, the, and, and so he didn't care, so people say that bull sharks, usually, if they see you, boom, they go and they do something, but right. he, he, there was no care. He, he didn't care about us at all. So the chances to be um, to be beaten, it's really you know bad luck after bad luck after bad luck after bad luck. It's the, the odds are pretty small, really. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I know like bull sharks are supposed to be one of the most aggressive shark species in the world. So I mean, for it to do absolutely nothing, that's that's pretty cool. I got to say, though, you're still not convincing me to go in the water anytime soon. <laughs> oh, you should. Seriously, you you, you try. I, you know, seriously, I've, I've and I come from in the middle of nowhere. So mm-hmm. nowhere near the ocean. And uh, so I wasn't that, you know, you know, aware or surf and all that. So I started very slowly and, you know, I ramped it up slowly but surely. And here I am doing 1.5K every morning and loving it you know and it's so you 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 know you never know have a try seriously it's so good yeah i mean i gotta commend you on your discipline waking up at 6 a.m every day to jump in shark infested waters that's uh that's definitely I wake a, up at 4 30 every day I wake 4 30 oh okay well even more so that's uh that's, de- <laughs> that's dedication yeah that's good for you man really really good for you but uh, enough talking about shark infested waters, you know, <laughs> uh, in the literal sense, but we can talk about the shark infested waters of the business world. You are the founder of a uh, well regarded uh, company of uh, Bowsell Watches, which is uh, a relatively new brand with uh, some interesting heritage and doing some really interesting things. You know, let's talk a little about you as a founder first. You know, you've given us some indication with regards to you know your morning regimen and then how you take care of yourself actively. But what uh, what is sort of your journey with watches? Where did watches begin for you, and what led you to uh, begin your own company? What was sort of that uh, progression throughout this this hobby? Well, look, like a lot of your guests, I I, I think it, it comes from you know the heritage, the, the parents, the grandparents. Uh, I grew up, uh, I was born in Alsace, in a small town called Mulhouse, uh, 15 minutes away from Basel, and, but I grew up then in Saudi Arabia, so I moved to Saudi Arabia, and until the age of 12, I was in Riyadh, 
and I remember one day my parents lost me. I really wanted a Casio calculator and I really wanted it. And I was negotiating with the guy and I really wanted it. Uh, didn't care about my parents or following them at all. And they were really worried and they found me. I didn't get the watch, of course, but that I think that started the whole thing. I um, And then I always, you know, when I had even shitty watches, I just opened them or even better watches, I would open them, look into it. And uh, I don't know, I was just fascinated, just like I'm fascinated by cars and beautiful vintage cars. And I think it's a little bit the same thing, but um, getting there and, you know, it's pretty crazy, you know, when you think about it, 50, since 1541, you know, and uh, in Switzerland, when the, the, the Huguenot came to Switzerland and started the whole thing and Calvin and, and the watch industry, I mean, mm. and someone decided one day that, the, you know, time is time and, 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 and created something that works by itself. I mean, it's, it's pretty mad, really. Yeah, I mean, definitely like the history of, of, of watchmaking and Swiss watchmaking and, and just the idea of like creating the construct of time and then sort of getting the entire world to agree to it. It's, it's, it's a pretty impressive uh, undertaking, right? I mean, you know, we can't get the whole, we can't get like people in the same room to agree on anything anymore, let alone on, you know, one standard metric of timekeeping. It's, it's unreal, but really it's 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 tremendous the history that's there and i could definitely see why that would be something that would interest you so you know what what sort of was your your journey then progressing forward from this young boy who was fascinated by watches and loved taking them apart to like what led you into um you know the, be part of the actual uh, like watch industry to create your own brand so uh... And then, you know, I, I was a professional basketball player. So I played a lot of basketball. I'm, I'm, I'm six foot nine. It's oh hard to goodness. tell. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I played a lot of basketball. And my parents always told me, look, that's not a career for you. You're not good enough. Uh, thank you, mom and dad. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, so you have to study. And so I did study. I ended up at working at uh, PwC uh, in Luxembourg, um, but uh, didn't really, you know, enjoy the whole audit consulting sort of uh, but it was great, very well paid and good friends and all that. But then I asked to be transferred to Switzerland to be a bit closer to my real passion, which was watches. And one day I said, OK, I need to work into, into watches. I mean, uh, accounting, numbers for numbers, that's not my world. You know, uh, there's a lot of money to be made, but I don't give a damn. It's not it's not, you know, I want to I want to be passionate and do something that, you know, so no one really, you know, gave me that chance to go and work for marketing or for creative or to design a watch. And of course, you know, I was only an accountant. Mm -hmm. So I got into accounting in watches. So I wrote nice letters to founders and I ended up uh, being the CFO of Technomarine uh, back in the day, which was um, pretty big in the US. Yeah, I uh, remember that name. Yeah, so they, they did uh, stainless steel case, uh, plastic strap, and diamond bezel, uh, big in Miami, you know, that type of uh, bling uh, really worked. And uh, so I was CFO of Technomarine at the age of 28, working with the sole owner of the company, Franck Dubarry. Thank you, Franck, for giving me that uh, chance uh, and starting to learn, you know, the watchmaking. And, um, and then I end up working for the Swatch Group as CFO for Universo uh, in La Chaux-de-Fonds. So living in Bienne, taking my little train every day to go to La Chaux-de-Fonds, the heart of Swiss watchmaking, working for Universo, part of the Swatch Group, the number one manufacturer for all the brands uh, and making watch hands for everyone, you know. So it was good to work for a component manufacturer, which is my real passion. Um, and not the champagne and the uh, and the sales side of things, you know. I'm more of a, a machine, and hence getting dirty and understanding. And also, you know, the press release will say, "Oh, we're doing so well," and blah blah blah. And when you look at the real stuff, uh, how come you didn't order wash hands for six months? You know, it, there's something not right. So when you're in component in Switzerland, in Lachaud Fonds, that's really where you understand watchmaking, in my sense. Mm -hmm. It might be. Mm -hmm. And then, so what made you make that transition from working in the industry to starting your own company? Ah, just, you know, I, I moved, so I met Alex, uh, my wife, a beautiful professional dancer uh, in Switzerland. And uh, she showed me her home country, which is Australia. 
And I was like, yep, that's definitely a place where I want my kids to grow up. Uh, so we moved here. Uh, I left my job, uh, my well-paid job in Switzerland, just uh, pack bags, came here with nothing. And I was like, I'm going to find a job in two seconds. You know, I'm, you know who, I'm at, who I am? And I didn't find a job. Uh, no one cared. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't find a job. So it's always like that. You know, when, you, when you're in a good situation in life, you will and, and you're earning well and then you will never push yourself to do something that's um, out of your comfort zone you know mm -hmm. so here i was out of my comfort zone uh, completely in a different country no one wanted to give me a job my uh, my uh, my little savings on the bank account going down every month uh, family uh, to feed Woo, okay uh, and i was like, okay i know how to make watches uh, i started to make samples uh, and that's when Bozell was born. Um, I just created a brand. There was nothing in Australia. There was no Australian brand at the time uh, doing quality watches, you know, quality Swiss watches. So I just launched uh, 2011 and uh, then ended up finding a job. Uh, so do, I did that on the side for five years and, and, and five, six years ago, I ditched a day job and, uh, and went full time. That's uh, incredible. So let's talk a little bit about like, uh, Bowzell as a brand. So it's been around since 2011. You know, you're you're doing it full time now. Here we are 11 years later. You know, how has the journey been for the brand from its inception up to this point? Look, it was it, it's crazy. It's completely mad. Uh, and but I wouldn't I wouldn't change a thing. You know, I prefer doing this than my Excel spreadsheet that I used to do before. And um, and yeah, it's it's tough, uh, you know. But enjoying working on creative, which I've never done before, and um, but also you know packing uh, watches sometimes, uh, getting to the post office, uh, working on design, working on everything, uh, marketing, uh, ads, the whole thing, and um, but enjoying it, you know. And uh, where before as a CFO, I would only do one thing. Uh, here I'm doing so much more and, and it really helped me as a human to, um, you know, to, to, to broaden my, my way of thinking and uh, not only professionally, but personally, and, uh, and, and yeah, so that, that journey has been pretty uh, amazing. And I get to do my passion, which is designing and, uh, and, and selling and watches, you know, uh, that people buy that uh, continue to feed the dream. Mm -hmm. So what was sort of the inspiration for Bozell as a brand, like with regards to like, you know, what, uh, like what does the brand do different or what do you feel the brand does different from you know, some of the mainstream names that you worked for leading up to this point? Look, they all, they, they will all sell the dream of, you know, the George Clooney, the Michael Jordan of this world, you know, mm -hmm. of course, we know that uh, we're about taking the time, making the time. Uh, you know, the other day I was swimming, I came out of the swim and there was a 25 year old uh, girl knitting, uh, looking at the sunrise. And I was like, good on you. You're taking the time to do something that you love before getting to work and doing, you know, she's got a busy life as well, but she wakes up, you know, at 6 a.m., knits, look at the sunrise and do what's good for her, which is, you know, swimming or Aaron is doing jujitsu. Um, then I take the bus, I do my breathing exercise, you know, just to uh, feel a bit grounded. I do my breathing exercise to come back uh, from work to be cool with the family and the kids most of the times. And uh, so that's, you know, that's, that's who we are. We are human. We are for real people doing little things that make them feel good. Uh, and do what take the time, make the time, which is the real Australian way of living. Uh, so that's that's how we are different. And with the new project, which is the U.S. Army project, we might discuss a bit later. So we've been uh, chosen to um, first non-American or Canadian company to have a license with the U.S. Army. Mm -hmm. We're making watches, and they are assembled by veteran in the U.S. And 10% uh, of the watch uh, proceeds go back to association to help uh, mainly with mental health, but not only. Uh, and that's who we are. We are, you know, 
that's why we're doing it you know it's to create a community a movement uh uh, not to sell watches and buy a Ferrari, you know, that's, that's who we are, uh, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so they're really, the, they're, they're watches for like everyday active people to wear sort of under all circumstances. Exactly. And, and, and then it goes down to the design. Uh, thank you for bringing back uh, always to the, to a, to a product, but yes, the design is, uh, you know, it, it is Australian. So it goes in the ocean, uh, but you change easy intangible strap. Then you put uh, instead of the rubber or the recycled plastic, you put a leather. You go to your to your meetings, and then at night you go maybe for a fish, a little, you know, and then you go back home. You change. So it's it's active, but uh, but 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 classy and and beautiful designs, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's clear and and good quality watches. Is that the uh, was that the Ocean Moon or what is that model? On your it is it is the Ocean Moon, Eric, but a little bit of a different one because it's the bronze. Uh, there's cool. only two uh, only two exist of the bronze. Hmm. Well, it makes sense that you get one of them, I suppose, right? Yes, I got one of them, and Aaron got the other one. Oh, perks of being the boss, I suppose, right? Yeah, exactly. Ah, but very- we're gonna make one. We're gonna make it because it's too good. Yeah, it's a very, very cool watch. It looks awesome. I like, I like the unique kind of use of numbers on the dial as well, too. And, and the case has a really cool shape to it as well. Thank you. What are you wearing? Uh, I have on a uh, Aquadive BS100 uh, DLC coated watch. So one Ooh, of, uh, nice one of uh, uh, Rick Marais brands that he uh, started a while ago and before in between Doxa and Aquastar, he kind of revived the Aquadive brand and then he sold them on isoframe straps as well too. So and they didn't make it, they didn't make a ton of these and it's a pretty cool watch, but uh, it's older. I think this one's from 2013, but I just wanted something uh, blacked out and looks a little bit different and kind of has that tactical kind of look to it and, and a little bit of that uh, vintage dive heritage as well too. So cool watch. I love it. Thank Super cool. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, we're here cool. to talk about your watches, not my watches. <laughs> yeah, but all watch, all watches are cool. You know. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I appreciate your interest in asking. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of. It's a different watch, and it's a lot of fun and cheap thrills. I'm all about the uh, the dollars for smiles. You know, just what. You know, I, I, I'm not into, you know, I've, I've had the high end stuff, my Tudor and Panerai and all that type of stuff. And it's just like, it's hard to beat, you know, what you can get for 500 to a thousand dollars nowadays, you know, honestly, like the quality is caught up, especially with micro brands and independence for what you can get nowadays for your money. It's, it's, it's hard to, to deny, you know, unless you really want a specific name or a specific brand, you can get so much watch for the money nowadays. It's terrific. I totally agree, Eric, and that's why uh, that's who we are too. You know, eight hundred dollar for the Ocean Moon is a bit. You know, knowing the industry, knowing that uh, we share uh, the su- some suppliers with the big names that we all know. Uh, I, I, I'm a bit like, uh, and I know how much they're selling their watches. Of course, I don't have Sharapova or Brad Pitt to pay, so it's a bit different. But it's a bit, you know, you're a bit like, ah, oh, it should be three times uh, more expensive. But we all know that. And um, and when people uh, appreciate, like you would appreciate, uh, it's all good. But when someone doesn't really appreciate and find that, you know, oh, it's, it might be expensive. And, and you know, deep down that it's, ah, oh, it's nothing <laughs> for the quality. You're like, ah. No, absolutely. And, and you know, I wanted to get into that a little bit. Like, let's talk uh, specs a little bit with your watches. You know, you have several models in the catalog now and you got several more on the way. You know, we have the, uh, what, the uh, the field, the ocean moon. Um, is, is it just the two right now that are out? Oh, and then uh, what is it? The vintage 2.0. So, which is also a, a very interesting looking watch. So um, is it just the three models you have out right now? Look, the, the idea is well, that the pilot we'll have, as well. Yes. Yeah, the, the idea next year, I mean, we, we, we're ramping the whole website. So mm-hmm. we've got a, a new brand image. Uh, Toby is working on the, the, the brand direction for us. We'll have uh, all of that changed by beginning of uh, January. And mm-hmm. then we'll have the field watch, the ocean moon, the diver who's coming out. Uh, also, you know, a part of the U.S. Army mm-hmm. coming out in, uh, in March um and that's it so that's the three watches that we're going to have uh and uh at the moment uh the 
vintage 2.0 is phasing out uh, the pilot we've got a few but that's phasing out too so by january it will be peeled ocean moon diver boom mm -hmm. well let's talk a little bit about uh like i said about specs though so we have you know i'm looking for example at the ocean moon here like you have uh, stainless steel you have swiss movement it looks like maybe a sandwich dial as well too several different colors and dial options and you know it's quite the package and this caps uh this caps a um, quick detach system as well too for the uh, for the straps. Like it's quite the package for eight hundred dollars. You're you know, and you and you mentioned how you have uh, you share suppliers with a lot of like uh, the, the big boys as well too. So how are you able to keep the margins so low? I know you mentioned not paying any celebrities or anything like that, but I mean you're you're able to provide a ton of value for a very very modest price. Look, uh, because we're crazy first, okay. and the second thing is because. I'm an ex-CFO mm -hmm. um, as an ex-CFO, you look at the number and you're like, okay, a watch shouldn't be more than X time what it costs you. And that's it. You know, I don't factor in any emotional or any hype or any FOMO or all of that. It's just purely what it should be and what I would feel comfortable as a customer to buy. And, and, and seeing that watch, I would be like, and yes, to be honest, we are going to ramp up prices a little bit. Not crazy, you know, uh, but we will start uh, just because the global economy, uh, everything is getting more expensive. Everything is more expensive. So we will, not crazy, you know, 10, 20% maximum. Uh, we're not going to double our, our pricing, but we, are, we will start to uh, ramp up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Things are just getting more expensive from like a supplier point of view, right? So it's costing you more to be able to make these watches than it did previously. Yeah, and and, and 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 we are Australian, meaning that we sell. I mean, we you know, Australian dollar is so weak and mm -hmm. has been for five years. So we lost thirty percent just by the and, and and we buy everything in Swiss franc or US dollar. So just by that, uh, it's thirty percent, you know. But that that's boring uh, accounting stuff. But uh, I get it too, being in Canada, right? I mean, I think you guys are thirty percent. We're not far off. We're like twenty six or twenty seven percent. So I mean, honestly, like it's it. We lose a lot of it as well too. So I I totally sympathize with getting beat up on the uh, exchange rate on things as well too. But so let's uh, like specifically with these models in your collection. So the field watch is going to stay. The ocean moon is going to stay. You're going to be wrapping up the vintage and the pilot, I believe. So let's talk about the, the field and the ocean moon as, as individual pieces. What is sort of like, you know, I know it's sort of self-explanatory to a certain degree, but really like, what is the design uh, inspiration behind these pieces? Did you design them yourself? The ocean moon? Yes. The field? No. Okay. And so what's, I guess, from the ocean moon, then from your own perspective as the designer, like walk us through the design of the piece. I notice certain uh, really interesting uh, influences. I see maybe a little bit of uh, Anikar Sherpa in there as well with like the uh, the crown guard that that goes on. I see, you know, that classic compressor kind of double, uh, double crown setup. Uh, I love the sandwich dial. That's, you know, a little bit of old vintage Panerai kind of going on in there too. Like there's, there's, there's a lot of really interesting influences that have still culminated in a very unique individual design. Thank you. It's look, it's, it's, it's the fourth generation first. So we started in 2011 with Ocean Moon One, a 40 mm -hmm. mil, a uh, very submariner sort of look. Then we went to uh, 47. Uh, it was, you know, the middle of, uh, it was 2013 or something. Uh, it was a bit bigger, 47, a bit uh, too big. Went down, down to 45. And now we are at 42. That's the sweet, sweet spot for us. Then, so that was uh, for the size. Then you need a watch that can go in the ocean just like me every day and then can go to the boardroom and have a, 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 an important meeting because that's Australian way of living. Um, always out and about and in touch with the, with our nature. Mm -hmm. uh, so we need something very resistant. Of course, the sapphire. Of course, uh, you need the 200 meter water resistance. Uh, then you add um, uh, anti-magnetic uh, dial, so it doesn't uh, anti-magnetic case back, so it doesn't go and see the repairer too often. That was that design actually came from a collaboration with the Royal Australian Air Force. Mm. We um, were uh, chosen um, to uh, 
make the centenary watch for them. So the 100th anniversary, uh, which was 2021, we made the watch for them and we designed uh, the ocean moon at the same time that this watch. Uh, so some of the specs came from the fact that it needed to be good for the Royal Australian Air Force as well as for all our other customers. Mm -hmm. And so you've, you've mentioned, you know, doing work with now the Australian uh, military and then the, the American military as well, too. Why is working with militaries uh, something that seems to be important to the brand or something that you associate that's becoming associated a lot with the brand? Is there a particular uh, personal reason for yourself as a founder or why you, you feel this is important to be uh, working with those sorts of agencies? No, look, I mean, we, I mean, coming from Europe, we all have, especially where I come from, which is Alsace, we all have a story of a grandfather being in, in, in war uh, and, and suffering and the whole family and, you know, all of, all of that, of course. But no, it's nothing to do with that. It's just that they contacted me. Uh, the first were the Australian Army Intelligence Corps, so the secret mm. agents in Australia, contacted me like six or seven years ago. I was only starting and they were like, oh, we want to do a watch with you. Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure, really? But we did, and uh, we just did the second version for them last year. Then we've got the Special Ops, uh, who did one where we had, uh, it was pretty cool. We had some sand from Afghanistan that we put in the crown because in every Bozell, it's beyond, Bozell stands for beyond Australian elements. And they all have a little bit of Australia in the crown or on the watch. Uh, the Royal Australian Air Force, we had a piece of an FA-18. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and for and for the normal ones, we've got sand or redders or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you're definitely not afraid to push the boundaries as well with the design. It's not just slapping a new... Uh, you know, a logo on the dial or the case back and saying it's a collaboration piece. You're really doing like unique design elements for these watches as well, too, that you're associating with these agencies. Yeah, completely. The Sydney Opera House contacted us uh, again and said, we want to do a watch. I was like, really? First collaboration. Uh, and we sat down and we designed a whole watch with them. So they wanted something that was unisex, but more feminine. You know, mm -hmm. the senior house with the, you know, with the sales, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty famous. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then we looked into it and we're like, oh, let's do sales. So we, we made sales uh, that moved uh, with disc on the dial. Uh, and they only unveiled this, it's called the spherical solution, um, mm -hmm. what the uh, architect created, only unveils at 2.45. Why 2.45? Because it's the time that the queen officially cut the ribbon of the opening of the senior opera house. So you've got the, the sales that are moving, da, 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 and then they show 2.45, boom. Uh, yeah, so we... we we don't just do a watch and, like you said, put the put the logo on the dial on the case back. We actually create a watch completely with the person that wants to. The, it's, it's our bespoke side of the business, which is really big for us. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, particularly in Australia specifically, like you guys are really becoming known as like Australia's brand. You know. Well, look, I, 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 look, I, I don't have that pretension, but I, I, I certainly take the, the compliments. We, uh, we are Australian. We're very proud to be Australian and, uh, and uh, even with a thick French accent. Uh, but I just, you know, we, I, I want to sell the best of Australia to the world. It's a, it's a beautiful country uh, with beautiful people. Everybody loves Australia and Australians and I think uh, it's well deserved you know we, we want to we want to do the we want to do the best product possible to sell the best of Australia so if people recognize that uh, and yes we you know we sell mostly in Australia so obviously uh, locals love what we do so mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and was that like sort of what you're trying to convey to the consumer like what really is the consumer experience you're trying to create for people to buy your watches is it is it just showing them a piece of australia and giving them the best it has to offer in a watch or, or what if you could put it into your own words what would that message be you're trying to convey to them no it's it's it's, it's really about the product uh, a beautiful product at a, at a, at a, a very good price very well priced uh, a good swiss made uh, or swiss heritage uh, watch that you can wear for a long time, you can be proud. Uh, 
Uh, and yes, you've got the Rolex, you've got the Omega, you've got the, 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 the Grand Seiko in your collection, but you wear a Bozelle as well. Uh, because you know it's a great quality and you support uh, a local business uh, if it's in Australia or if it's elsewhere. We sell a lot in France. People love Australia and they, and, and yeah, they just want to have a piece of Australia with them. Mm-hmm. And, and since the beginning of the brand back in 2011, you know, let's talk a little bit about the watch communities in, in general as well. Like you guys have primarily like an online presence as well too. What role has the watch community played in the success of the brand? Do you feel? Huge, huge. I mean, uh, yeah, we are sold on uh, sold online, and we've been sold online from the start uh, only. Uh, it's been three years now, a little bit over three years. We've got a presence here in Sydney, uh, in the Rocks, uh, uh, a pretty prestigious address on top of it. It's 75 George Street, which is just in front of the Sydney Opera House, next to the bridge, uh, overlooking the harbour, like I showed you before. I can look at the ferries passing in front of the store. And um, so, and, and I felt that the, having the store really grounded us. And, and, and even if we sell mainly online, people that love to know that there is a physical uh, presence somewhere. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's wonderful. It's wonderful. And so with regards to what's coming next for uh, the brand, I know we talked a little bit about a revamp coming for the website and sort of the catalog, um, but we've alluded to it a couple of times now. And I think now's a good time to kind of bring it up is the uh, the mill spec collaboration that's happening with the U.S. Army. So there's a couple of different pieces that are, are being released with regards to that. Um, you know, I'm very partial to one of them. I got to say the uh, the dive watch you mentioned, that thing looks looks very, very neat. I, I'm, I'm excited to uh, to see one of those in person. But let's talk a little bit about like what came of that uh, or how did that come about to be? And what is that collaboration going to look like? Look, we always wanted to come to the U.S. We mm-hmm. good here. We've got a good following. But in the U.S., who cares about another brand? Who cares about Bozell? Really, it was it would have been a little bit hard for us to uh, to to make a dent and and to uh, establish ourselves and come uh, and 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 come. Shall I shall I switch up those notifications or do you want to cut or is that okay? I've got notification, but you can't you can't hear them. No. Ah, sorry, sorry. Uh, and yeah, so we what we did is that we uh, Aaron, not we. Aaron is based in LA and he thought about a way to be meaningful in the US. And uh, on the side, he met Jamal, Jamal, who's a veteran, and they started a, 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 a deep friendship uh, around past traumas as well. Of, you know, I think it's better for them to talk about those things. But so they're really a deep connection. And uh, Aaron being a Jew, Jiu-Jitsu champion came uh, with Jamal at uh, an association called the MVP, who um, who uh, the merger vet uh, player, which is uh, an association by veteran uh, that help uh, uh, people uh, and veteran to um, connect with uh, ex-professional uh, sports people mm. and and help them through sports, you know and. Uh, and I think it started to think and be like, oh, hold on, it, it would be cool if we could do something for veterans. And uh, and 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 then veteran led to military, and military went to army. And why not asking them for a license? And we start to we could make watches with them, and then use some of the proceeds to help veterans. And so he sent an email to uh, info at army.com. <laughs> I'm joking, but you know, and uh, and we got the license and here we are. So now we are, so not only those watches um, have the license from the US Army, but it's a collective work on the design. So 11 people, uh, veterans mainly, uh, designed the watch with me. So I'm only one of the 11. Uh, so this design is not mine. It's a collective work. Oh, it's awesome that you have them incorporate like, people with experience and people who are from the military incorporating their own thoughts into the design of the watch. I think that's that's tremendous uh, to have their input and in the physical product itself. 
Well, look, it was so good, you know, Eric. I wasn't alone. I was like, what do you think about uh, uh, Roman numeral? What do you think about only indexes? What do you think about the size, 38, 40, 36? What mm -hmm. do you think about the inner ring? What do you think about the crown at four o'clock, at three? Uh, well, you know, the strap, what do you think? E elastic or uh, a normal NATO or, you know, everything. We really went into detail. The case back, the drawing, how do you want it? You know, uh, the packaging. So they were involved in everything and I was able to bounce back uh, ideas and they would choose at the end. And, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's also a relief for me because I'm not holding the, the fault anymore. It's been a collective, you know, a collective work now. So it's our design, it's not mine. Mm -hmm. And I see that the Veterans Watchmaking Initiative, which is a, uh, an organization that's you know, pretty near and dear to my own uh, self as well, that uh, is involved in this project. They're gonna be doing the assembly and the servicing of the pieces as well. So unfortunately, no, it didn't work out uh, at the uh -huh. end. Uh, so we're gonna work uh, with someone else. Uh, uh, extremely, extremely good, extremely mm -hmm. good, but unfortunately it didn't work uh, for various reasons, uh, but it didn't work with them. Fair but enough. we'll still employ veterans and they will still be assembling our watches. Okay. And so then when is the kind of the timeline on this? When are we looking at to see these these pieces come up and sort of the, will this come out as part of sort of the revamp of the site all at once? Or is this going to be its own release uh, later next year? So the Field Watch is launching, uh, it's, it's available on pre-order at the moment, but it's launching uh, beginning of January. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll ship out the first watches. And then uh, the diver will start to be in pre-order in January, February, and March uh, for the first delivery. Uh, and yes, like you, I am pretty excited about that diver. It looks sick on the wrist. Well, I mean, just uh, just getting a look at it right now. I don't want to give anything away either because it's not uh, not time for you know it's not public knowledge what exactly the watch is going to be it yet. But it's definitely sort of like a uh, very you can see influences of like a very uh very well regarded military watch in the design but definitely something unique and new on its own right so i think that's going to be a really cool piece to see that come out look eric we didn't invent anything we just went to the military spec the 46374g uh, from 91, we went in and looked at page 31, and 31 says the field watch needs to be that size, needs to be that thick, needs to be, da -da -da -da, and that's what we did. So that's why the field watch is called reference 31 for the page 31101. And then you look a little bit down, page 34 of that same military spec, and you find the diver, which is mm. that shape. So we, we didn't invent anything, just that shape, except that the case, the side case on the on where the crown is, is exactly the military spec. Where other brands who also did uh, military spec inspired watches, uh, divers uh, didn't do that uh, that side. And I, and I'm really excited of introducing that side. It's a bit nerdy, but um, but it's it's beautiful. And the case back. We changed completely the construction of the case back. The supplier didn't want to do it. I had to push really strong, uh, and it's 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 beautiful. It's sleek. It's uh, it's stunning. I know it's only a case back. Who's going to look at the case back? Me. Well, watch nerds, right? People who appreciate this kind of stuff will, right? And I think <laughs> right. that's what it's all about. Yeah, definitely. That's you know, from what I'm seeing in the photos, it's it's going to be something that I think people are going to be very excited about, and and it's a lot to look forward to. Um, you know, what else do you think that is that people, like if you could kind of summarize what you want people to know about Moselle, if you could put it into your own words in, in a short kind of blurb, what would it be? What's the, what's the message you want to put out there about your brand and you want people to hear as, as the founder yourself? Take the time. Take 15 minutes a day to do your thing. You know, I've got so many people telling me, ah, oh, I don't have the time, all of my friends, but they watch an hour on Netflix, they watch and they, they scroll on, on, on Instagram for an hour. Take 15 minutes to build something for your life that will make you feel good. 
-hmm. And that's what we are about with Bozell, very human brand, making beautiful, well-made products mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 and create uh, a community. All, my, all our customers, we've got 10,000 customers since we, uh, we've launched and they are repeat customers they, they they really follow the brand they love the brand and some of them have five six even more watches because they just love supporting us uh thank you to them uh and and they love being a part of it we you know we've made a party uh it was what three weeks ago we didn't talk about watches we didn't talk about watches we just had fun there was a hundred people there a good dj good music and we had a best, the best time with all our supporters. And, and that's what we are about, you know, uh, sharing the best of Australia to the world. That's a bit more than two uh, words that you asked me for. Sorry, Eric. Well, I think you touched on something really interesting, though, when you when you were sharing that, though, was was, you know, we've always sort of especially young people these days, you get caught up in the saying like, you know, you need to do what you love, do what you love, do what you love. And I, I think to a certain degree, that's definitely true. You know, you followed your your dream leaving from finance to, to into the watch industry and then to starting your own company across the world, which is incredible. You know, it, it doesn't always mean exclusively with work though, right? Like take you said, take that 15 minutes, take half an hour. Instead of watching that show on Netflix, take an hour to put it into something creative that you enjoy and sparks, you know, life and enjoyment in you, right? You know, something like, you know, for me it was starting this podcast, right? I I'm this is not paying my bills by any means, people, trust <laughs> me, but it's something that I enjoy doing. So that's why I do it. And it brings me a lot of excitement and a lot of happiness. So that's, I think that should be more how the, the, the term, you know, do what you love needs to be interpreted is like, you can, you can still have a job that you don't necessarily enjoy or something that isn't your favorite thing in the world to do, but you can still find the time to do the things that you love because that's what gives you enjoyment in life. Right. And that's really, you know, you talked about like the girl knitting on the beach at 6 a.m. before she goes to work for the day. It's like, that's doing what she loves. She makes time for it because it brings her joy and she finds a way to make it work, right? You're doing your swim at 6 a.m. You know, I'm, I'm doing this podcast with you tonight. Like, it's things like that that are, are really, I think, sort of capture the spirit of what I felt like you were trying to say there. Exactly. And thank you again, Eric, for doing this. For all the listeners, for Eric, it's Friday night. You should be there enjoying with the family for winding down, you know, the and going into the weekend. And he's here talking to me and and and, and putting this podcast to life. So thank you very much, Eric. Wow, that's very kind of you. But honestly, I this is how I'd love to spend my Friday night talking with cool people across the globe. What more could a could a guy like me ask for? Well, I'm snowed in in minus 30 degree weather, right? <laughs> so Absolutely. So talk, moving away a little bit from, you know, just focusing exclusively on the brand and more on you again as an individual, you know, do you collect watches yourself? I, you, you did mention being a car guy, which is something I want to touch on as well, too. But before we get into the cars, let's talk about let's talk about the watches a little bit more. Do you have your own collection? Have you kind of curated your own collection over the years? Yeah, look, you know, I worked in the industry back in Switzerland, uh, so I've been very lucky to uh put my hands on the on watches that I, I didn't pay uh, retail, which is always a plus. Mm -hmm. And um, I even got given some uh, some watches. I remember in a in a meeting uh, with my Xbox France, Frank, um, he just had the, the person from Ubo who came and he was looking at watches and I was like, oh, that's a really cool watch. I loved it, you know, with a big crown on the on the right, you know, with the, we all know the Ubo, you know, design. And I was like, that's a cool watch. And he was like, well, this, this is for you, you know? And I was like, whoa, okay, thank you. And um, so, yeah, so I've got a nice collection, uh, a lot of the Swatch Group brands, of course, uh, being an ex-Swatch Group. Um, and yeah, just love things. You know, I went through phases. I, I loved big watches. So I had the, the Railmaster XL, you know, which is completely crazy now on the wrist. Every time I put it on, I'm like, how did you buy that thing? But anyway, <laughs> and then uh, I went through uh, the smaller with the Gerald Genta uh, by Retro, which is tiny. Um, so yeah, it's just a bit of mishmash and, uh, but also some swatch, uh, uh, watches and, um, 
and 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 uh, and zenith uh, and some uh, some uh, some vintage watches love vintage uh, always did and uh, yeah so how do you find that your own collection is influenced at all the design of the watches or of of the designs of your of Bosell's catalog no look not at all it's crazy but i don't even uh, look at that what i do is to to uh, stop thinking about the previous design i usually mm -hmm. wear one of my watch in the collection so it just resets my eye or my, my thinking and i don't look at the old version to design the new one you know so that's mm -hmm. that's what i do that's how i use them but i don't think uh looking at my old zenith uh, elite movement uh, uh i should do this or i should do that i've never done that but uh but it does help to uh and to have a knowledge you know of what happened of course you know we we, we all take a, a bit of everything that we love like you, you mentioned you know uh, when you looked at the ocean moon what it inspired you and you're totally right you know and uh, and you take here and there and there that's been done since the beginning of time but um but i don't uh, no it's it's not my my collection is crazy it's just a bit mad and to be mm -hmm. honest i uh, it wasn't curated in the right way it was just like oh i like that oh i like that oh, i like that there's no there's no reasoning behind what what's your collection what what's uh, how did you how did you make your you know uh, is there a thread in the collection um you know mine is still mine has sort of been like a labor of love like i've sort of had like a very I would say typical sort of journey up until probably the last few years with my collection where it was like you get into like something digital then you get into Seiko's and you get into Omega's then you buy another Omega then you kind of you know you buy something a little bit more expensive so it was very very kind of typical for a while then you get into vintage and then you get burned a few times in vintage so you don't want to do vintage anymore and then you learn a little bit and you try it again like that's kind of been my journey right my my uh I really found I was reaching a point with my collection where I was starting to buy things that I realized I didn't even really like. I just had sort of fallen victim to sort of the, the narrative that it was, um, you know, you need to have one of everything. You need to have a chronograph. You need to have a dive watch. You need to have a dress watch. And like, I don't like a lot of that. I like tool dive watches. That's my thing, right? You know, and, and that that's always been my style and, and what I've been into. So now my collection is all tool dive watches. So I got uh, like Tudor Pelagos. I got some Zodiac. I got this Aquadive. I've had Doxas. I got Panerai. I got, you know, all that kind of stuff. And honestly, I love it. And it doesn't bother me. I'm not someone who wears a tuxedo or a suit and tie, you know, like I, I wear a uniform every day at work and then I'm in like sweats or jeans and a t-shirt at home. So, you know, I mean, I suppose once in a while when there's weddings and funerals and things like that, but the last thing anybody's looking at at those events is what's on my wrist. So, you know, that's always been my kind of philosophy with it. Um, and that's really what's inspired me. So, I mean, like, you know, things like the ocean moon, for example, I think that's a, a wonderful looking dive watch that really, that really interests me. And that speaks to me that, that mill spec diver that's coming up, like that really speaks to me and really, really interests me. That's really my kind of style and, and something that I would want to wear. Um, and I really just look for stuff that, you know, it, it's like for like, for example, like there's certain things that just resonate with me in the way I would wear watches. And so because of that, um, there's certain design elements that I look for, like a, like a fully, uh, like a fully um, indexed bezel for example, right? Or a really good loon, or I like watches that are in like the 42 millimeter kind of range. That's kind of my sweet spot. I don't really like very, very small watches, right? And so even at higher price points where, you know, we're talking like Submariners and things like that, it just doesn't quite do it for me where it's like, you know, I'd rather instead of buying one Submar Submariner, it's like I could buy an Aquadive, a Doxa, you know, maybe buy like a nice Panerai or something else that I enjoy that kind of fits that criteria and then have enough money to take my wife on vacation somewhere nice. You know, that's kind of my, my approach to it. Um, I'm the same. I'm the same. I don't, yeah. Don't go into a, you know, why just because you need to have it because, you know, and I... well, and that's, and you know, if it's something you care about and it's something you enjoy and it's what you like, then fine. I mean, I'm at, I'm at the point now with my collecting where I feel like I've pretty much had 
either have or have had just about everything that I've kind of wanted to really, really try. So I'm open to just like whatever either looks interesting and comes my way, or, um, you know, maybe I will save up and buy a Rolex just to try it out and see how I like it. It's not like it'll be hard to sell. I mean, I guess they're a little hard to sell right now, but generally speaking, if I want to move it along, it's not too difficult to do so if I don't like it. Right. So we'll see what happens, but I, I'm one of these guys too. I don't like to have too big of a collection and I've already starting to get there. I have about eight watches now. And for me, it's like, I'm like, I'm like a two or three watch kind of guy. And, you know, I think I need to maybe start narrowing it down a bit, but it's hard. I've, I've been at a point where I picked up so many pieces that I just genuinely enjoy. It's like asking to pick which one's your favorite child, you know? Exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, you'd mentioned cars earlier on as well too. And, uh, you know, I think we've talked enough watch talk for the next little, for the last little bit, but what, talk to me about cars. Do you collect cars or are you just an appreciation, like an appreciator of fine cars or how does that work for you? Oh, look, I, I, I used to, now I'm a poor entrepreneur, so I can't, but uh, before, yes, I was very lucky uh, and uh, my... The, 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 my best, my favorite one was the 1979 uh, Targa 911 SC. Uh, and that was just uh, a dream, you know, uh, driving that every day. It wasn't a, a car that I would keep for the weekends. or I never did that. It was all, all my cars uh, had beautiful cars, but that, that was maybe the, the my favorite one. Uh, drove it every day, except when there was a bit too much snow, like... Uh, like today for you because mm-hmm. I lived a little bit of a hill and I, I just couldn't go up. It was impossible. Uh, it was just get stuck like this. this, 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 this. So I just park it in the street and then the next day it would be covered in snow. You just shuffle it, boom, and then off you go. You know, and once they put the salt on the road. But um, but yeah, I love that car. Uh, everything about it, the, the 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 design, of course, but the little details, the targa. You know, you take off, uh, put up the the roof that you put in your in your in in front on the you know, uh, and it's just yeah. Anyway, so love that car. Yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful car. That's uh, is is that is that your only kind of like classic car that you had or were you a collector of cars did do you still have any classic cars that you like to enjoy i know you said you're a poor entrepreneur but i'm sure you still like to get around town and something decent hey yeah but it's no and now it's all about so i and i had other cars you know i had the audi tt with the, the 3.2 liters you know the mm-hmm. that was fun uh the you know and uh so i had i had always i had nice cars but now i'm a family man i'm a poor entrepreneur i've got a skoda superb brings me from a to b but one day one day i will get uh an old car but they get so expensive same hype than in in in, in watches uh especially here in australia it's a small island there's not a lot of supply and watches are just crazy you know uh, mm-hmm. uh and cars sorry sorry cars uh, we're talking about cars now but they're just crazy the price is just i, I couldn't justify you know just uh, i would love a mini moke i love a mini moke you know you're in, you're in australia always nice weather you want to drive a mini moke but they're 25, 30 grand, 40 grand. I mean, for a minimal, come on, you know. So it's just, uh, of course, you know, if, if, if money wasn't um, a question, maybe I would. But I, I think there's better things to do uh, with your money uh, than uh, a 40,000 minimal. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. No, I, that's so you bring up an interesting point with regards to like, uh, the global economy and you know the cost of living not just in australia but kind of everywhere starting to go up uh, across the uh entire world uh, and, and across markets for everything including watches you know where do you see things you know you've been in the, in the industry a long time right so where do you see things kind of going with uh, the direction of uh the cost of pricing of watches the global economy what are your thoughts on sort of even what we've started to observe in the market over the last 30 to 60 days, for example. Look, of course, we all know that, you know, some of the the, the, the big hype uh, watches are now going a bit down. But, you know, there's others that you can't get your hands on and, and, and even smaller independent brands that have, you know, two years waiting list. I don't know. All the brands that are around me are all ramping up their prices and it doesn't look like it's stopping their development. 
So I don't know. I've got no idea where it's going, but it's 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 a good time to be in watches at the moment. It's uh, mm. you know, the the brand Bozel is growing, and 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 most of my friends in the industry are doing really well. Uh, and and yeah, it's 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 not what it used to be maybe two years ago where it was pretty mad, uh, but it's still very good and 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 it allow us smaller brands to have to live from this passion really where before we would have had to spend millions in advertising that we didn't have to uh, to live that world that life. So yeah, I think you know it's. it's I don't know. I've got no idea where it's going. I can see it. I know. I, I know that you know interest rates are ramping up. That uh, real estate is going down. That uh, the uh, Bitcoin is oh, is no, is not going well. Uh, all the crypto. So um, I'm an ex accountant. I, I look at all of these things, but I also see that the brand is growing and that mm-hmm. people are still buying watches and that uh, we, we we just had a, an, an exceptional month of November. Hopefully December will be the same and. Uh, We've got good bespoke program with a lot of uh, uh, 2023 is looking really good for us. So I don't know. It's a, it's a weird one. The, the world is no, you know, something that used to work before and you would start a business and you say, okay, I'm going to do this strategy and it will last at least a month or two, even a year or even the whole business, you know. Now you have to adjust, adjust yourself almost every day or every week, you know, the, the technique that work the week before might not work anymore because mm-hmm. um the, the ad uh, algorithm change or because you never know you know i mean this it's crazy uh so it keeps us on the toes and uh it makes it interesting um a bit tiring but you know if it was easy everybody would do it mm-hmm. it's sort of like you know part of taking the risk of, of being an entrepreneur right you got to be able to ride this stuff out because you're the one you know it's your risk it's your reward as well at the end of the day right exactly but for us it's not too much about the reward it's about the journey and 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 living you know a good you know a good life just being part of the community and you know it's uh, like i said again it's not about the the ferrari i I will i will never get it and i'm and and i'm fine with that and so you had mentioned sort of uh you know you have other friends in the industry you you know you being in like the the micro brand independent kind of sphere you know what are some of the unique challenges you find that you have to face as a, a micro brand that you know maybe you took for granted when you were working in the the mainstream uh, industry? Cash, cash, <laughs> money, yeah, money, money. Just ask for money when you need it when you're in part of the corporate. You know, maybe write a little business plan and money comes. You know, uh, when you're on your own, well, you get money, you do what you have to do, you have to sell, otherwise you won't be able to buy uh, watches again and, and, and develop and supply chain, you know, it's been extremely difficult. We're very lucky. I am very lucky because, you know, I've been working with the, my suppliers uh, as a CFO back in Switzerland. They respect me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will never let me down. Uh, but uh, I hear some horror stories of watches that are not getting delivered, and, and and part of that FOMO also has been done because some even big brands are not getting the supply from some of their suppliers. So it's it hasn't been fabricated; it's real. So yeah, it's it's not easy, uh, but it's not complicated either. It's not you know I'm not going to make it sound like it's terrible. It's not. It's very enjoyable and it's fun. Mm. And and so, what is the community like around uh, micro brands from a owner point of view? Like, do you have a lot of support from other owners in micro brands? Do you uh, communicate with a lot of owners of micro brands? What is that sort of like? You know, especially now with things being so challenging with regards to supply chain issues and and uh, and shady suppliers and things like that. How do you uh, do? You guys share a lot of resources, communicate a lot, or is it really like every man for himself out there? Uh, when it comes to supply, I think it's a little bit every man for him, for himself. But uh, we talk a lot and 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 uh, and we share and we support each other. 
and uh, you know uh, uh, Christian Louis with his brand uh, he took over with Ikepod. You know uh, yeah. I'm really following what he what he's doing. Uh, some uh, guys were in my hometown uh, called Apose A P O S E, uh, which are doing something completely different. I really support because they, it's not a copy of a copy of another vintage of another vintage of another vintage. And uh, you know we so yeah it's uh, it's cool and, and we talk and of course it's easier when you are at a fair then we all talk to each other and we all support each other we all like each other um and yeah it's uh, it's a cool community uh, there's you know we don't feel that we're competing against uh, everyone i think it's more in the big brands you know and, and all all those guys are all employees and they feel that they have to defend you know because they're getting paid by someone but us we're creating something and and, uh, you know, if we even can do a collab, like uh, Swatch did a collab with Omega, I would love to do a, a collab with another brand and, and, and share and uh, share the story, the passion, the, the, you know, it would be great. You know, if there's a, a brand owner out there who wants to do a collab, I'm here. Mm. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be really cool to see. Hey, maybe there needs to be a Rico's Watches podcast collab. Uh, Eric, I'm here. Uh, we'll have to talk about the diver, that. The diver. We'll have to talk about that off camera, but maybe you never know. I'm always open to uh, doing something fun. I think that'd be, that'd be really, really cool. But, um, you know, we talked a little bit, you, you mentioned, and, and we, we've discussed pretty flushed out like the goals for 2023 and, and the immediate future, but what really is the, the long-term plan here for Bozell? What is the, what is the, um, what is the long-term dream? What is the long-term goal here? You know, five years, 10 years down the road. What do we really want to see this brand become? Look, we, we took our time to be strong here in Australia, step by step. We didn't, you know, we didn't do anything crazy. We just grew every year, every year, every year. Now mm. we are strong here. We are wanting to uh, export, uh, grow in the US, grow in Europe, uh, and let the brand know. So we took on a very good PR company uh, based in Geneva, who takes care of a lot of uh, other very famous brands. And um, and we are now going after, uh, the, we'll, be, we'll be there at the end of March, we'll be in Geneva at the end of March. Uh, and you know we want to just uh, start to uh, get out of Australia and 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 get out there. So that's the goal for the next three years: start to sell outside of uh, of Australia and um, start to uh, tr travel a bit more. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely uh, creating that bigger international presence. I see, you know, and, and with some of the designs you have coming and some of the work that you're doing, I see that being very successful. Um, definitely. What was your biggest market? You said you mentioned France was a, a large market for you guys outside of outside of Australia. Yeah, funny enough, you know, it's uh, of course I'm French. Uh, I was born there, uh, so maybe you know, if people do their research, they see that the founder uh is is a french australians maybe uh, but i don't even know i think it's really australia that sells uh to them i don't even know that they know that there's a french guy behind the brand you know i think it's just australia people love australia in france and and what's not to like of course you know but everywhere in every country they people love australia but something took took off in france uh press uh, a bit of ads as well so i don't know where it's coming from really but uh we're doing well we we, we, we and the us is not too far behind you know it's uh it's a small market yet but it's you know it's growing mm. Well, you know, I think there's lots to look forward to. It's a brand that I definitely want to follow closely and, and see your successes as they come over the next uh, couple months and going forward into the next few years as well, too. I think there's going to be uh, the, upward, the upward trajectory I anticipate will definitely continue for you going forward. Thank you, Eric. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I just want to thank you for making the time to come on the show today. Uh, you, you shared so much about uh, yourself. You gave us such a good idea of, of, you know, the people behind the brand, what the brand's all about, the passion behind the brand, of which I, I, I got to say, there's definitely a lot of passion there. And I love seeing that people, particularly with micro brands, love supporting brands where they know the people behind the brand. Right. And I think that that's it's, it's wonderful for you to be able to come on here and, and share so much of yourself uh, with myself and my audience. And as this episode gets out there. And uh, people will be extremely excited to support you going forward as well. 
Um, well, it, was, it was a real pleasure, uh, especially you. You know you watch us very well. You know, you're inviting the right people, listening to your podcast. Uh, I respect a lot Periscope that's been uh, mm. uh, on your podcast, you know, a few times now. So, uh, you know, your listeners uh, know their watches. They, you know, so it's a, it's a real honor for me uh, to be here. Thank you, Eric. Absolutely. Well, the honor is all mine. And uh, really quickly, what are some of the landing spots where people could engage with uh, the content or uh, products from um, from Bozell? What is the best uh, place to get in contact with uh, with the company? Uh, thanks for asking. Look, Instagram, I think, would be the first one. If you look at Bozell, B-A-U-S-E-L-E on, on Instagram and then the website, you know, same thing, Bozell.com, B like Bob, A-U-S-E-L-E.com. Mm-hmm. I'll be sure and drop links uh, to both in the description boxes on the podcast platform and on YouTube as well. So anybody interested can just uh, click directly there and go check out some of these cool watches. Thank you. Absolutely. Likewise for myself, if anyone has any questions, comments, feedback, feel free to shoot me a uh, email at uh, ricoswatchespodcast at gmail.com. Additionally, if you want to follow along sort of at the uh, central network for the show, uh, Instagram, Rico's Watches Podcast. It's the main hub for where I uh, upload all my posts, uh, this information about the show, what's going on, guests, stories, surveys whatever shoot me a dm I'm, I'm always available to chat over there additionally if you're enjoying my episodes in the uh, audio medium and would like to check them out in a visual medium as well please uh, head over to the Rico's watches podcast youtube channel just uh, be sure to like subscribe uh, leave a comment hit the bell icon all that youtube stuff uh, to ensure the algorithm uh, finds the show and shows it to other people christo thank you again so much it was tremendous chatting with you and i really look forward to seeing how well bozella is going forward into the future Thank you so much, Eric. All right. You take care and you have yourself a wonderful uh, afternoon over there. Yoo-hoo. I will. Bye-bye.